You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, paying off $123,000 of student loan debt with Angie and RJ from Rich by Intention. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome back to another episode of the Journey to Launch podcast. Well, it's a welcome back if you are coming to listen again. And if you're new around these parts, I'm so happy you took the time to listen, to check in and launch with me and thousands of other journeyers. That's what I call anyone on this journey with me to financial freedom. So today's guests, they are a couple, a lovely, lovely couple who are Angie and RJ. They are a millennial married couple and they founded the brand Rich by Intention. Their mission is to empower couples to manage their money in everyday life with intention by eliminating debt, saving money, and investing for their future. They paid off $123,000 of student loan debt and are on the path to financial freedom. They also have a podcast called Rich by Intention where they share their stories and powerful, ambitious people who are also making waves. I am really excited to bring them on the podcast. They have been longtime supporters of me and Journey to Launch. I met them most recently at a conference that we all went to, and they were just so nice and such a pleasure to meet. And I'm glad that they are making some strides, not only in their finances, but in their own online platform and business. So you'll hear all about that in our interview and learn how they basically like paid off all this debt. Journey to Launch is supported by First Republic Bank. With a best-in-class banking app that allows you to bank anywhere, anytime, and a dedicated personal banker when you need one-on-one service, First Republic is uniquely positioned to offer the best of both worlds. With this combination of personal attention and convenience, it's no wonder that First Republic Bank has a client satisfaction rating two times the industry average. As a busy mom and entrepreneur, having convenient, flexible, and personalized service for my banking needs are important, which is why I have an account with First Republic. So whether you're starting on your financial journey or planning for your future, you can count on First Republic to be there for you every step of the way. Visit firstrepublic.com today to learn more. That's firstrepublic.com. Member FDIC equal housing lender. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Also, whether you are an OG journeyer or brand new to the podcast, I've created a free jumpstart guide to help you on your financial freedom journey. It includes the top episodes to listen to, stages to go through to reach financial freedom, resources, and so much more. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart to get your guide right now. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Hey, 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 journeyers. Okay, so today we have two guests on or in the rocket chair together, and they are Angie and RJ from Rich by Intention. Hey, Angie and RJ. Hey. Hey, Jamila. How you doing? (laughs) Good. And what I'm excited about is because I know you guys are like journeyers also. You listen to the podcast and you now have your own platform where you're talking about paying off debt, reaching financial independence and freedom. And so it's really great to connect with you here on the podcast. Welcome. No, no, it's an honor uh, to be here with you, Jamila. We're super excited. We have been longtime journeyers. So it really is, you know, just totally an honor to sit to with you today. To be on here. Yeah. So thanks yeah. for having us on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So we're going to hop right in because one of your big headlines is that you paid off $123,000 of debt in one year. So the people want to know, the people are going to want to know how that happened, what you did. But before we get there, right, that was like the hook. But like before we get there, I want to know how you guys met and why finances became kind of the center of what you currently do. Let's go back there. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So we met 
uh, about 10 years ago. About de- 10 years ago. We just had our dating anniversary like yesterday. So, yes, yes. so yes, 10 years ago. Exactly 10 <laughs> years, one day, and two hours uh, to be <laughs> precise. And uh, we met through a mutual friend um, at an event. And uh, when we first started dating, uh, very early on, we would talk about money, right? I had a lion's share of the debt when we uh, paid it off. So I had about uh, almost $90,000 in student loan debt on my own. Um, So when we first started dating, I brought it up. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I wanted to give full disclaimer that, hey, I had a lot of debt and I'm working on it. (laughs) Yeah. No, like RJ is right. Like he disclosed that to me very early on. And not only that, like it was very, it was heavy on him, right? The fact that he was in so much debt and, you know, he actually graduated at a time, you know, that was, it was a very challenging time to find a job. You know, a lot of times we think we go to college, you know, yeah, I'm accruing this debt, right? But I'm going to go to college. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to make all this money. And, you know, that wasn't the case right back in 2008, 2009, right? For a lot of people. And so the debt was like a huge burden on him and he disclosed it very early on. And, and he was like, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. And, you know, once I saw that, I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, he, he's $90,000 in debt, but he's the type of person that is going to come up with a plan. So, and that's, that's, that's who he is. So, okay. So I have a question about that, RJ, because there are a lot of people who have a lot of debt and they would be just, they would keep it from their potential maybe partner and it would be shameful for them. So was there something about your upbringing or what you were studying like that allowed you to feel comfortable to share that? I think a lot of times when you talk about like your problems or your issues that you have in life and you, uh, it helps you hold yourself accountable. So for me, um, what helps me is like telling other people like my goals or my ideas, my dreams or problems that I have. So like, for example, if you're trying to go to the gym, if you tell someone who goes to the gym a lot that, Hey, you want to go to the gym? Like they'll come along with you and be that accountability partner. So for me, just talking about my debt so much. It, it made it top of mind instead of just avoiding it and waiting till it got worse. And I had private loans, so my interest was much higher. So it was very important that I got in front of it the moment I started making payments. Um, and it was unfortunate that, you know, I uh, finished school, you know, 2009, 2010 timeframe. So it was hard to get a job, but um, it still was something top, top of mind. It was like, hey, once I get you know, a good paying job, or once I get my finances in order, I want to tackle this debt. And was most of that debt just like student loans? I think you said that already, but was it student loans? Yeah, most of the debt was, well, no, all of all that. Of, all of the 90000 was student loans, loans, but we did have other debts aside from our student loans. So we had, you know, the usual debt, like, right, like credit card debt. We had cars, like after we graduated college, we both <laughs> got cars, brand new, uh, brand new cars. Um, so, you know, like we did the typical things that I think most people do. And once I like, you know, uh, typical things, once you graduate, like you want to go on vacations, mm-hmm. you want to uh, buy a new car, you want to just buy new clothes, like went through that, you know, for a couple of years and, and then was like, hey, like I need to get this together. Right. OK, so what about you, Angie, when you came into the relationship, how were you with money? How were you with your debt? I also had student loan debt. I had a lot less. Um, You know, I was coming into the relationship with around $40,000 of student loan debt, but I also had car debt as well. But I think, you know, one of the things that I was doing before, I think was, you know, I I was starting the process of getting my finances in order, I think, when RJ and I met. You know, like I was into budgeting, right? Like I was following, you know, some of the the top personal financial influencers back in the day, <laughs> in the early days, right? And like, just like, okay, I need to get on a budget. I need to start, you know, really thinking about how managing my money. Once we met, like I was trying to get more intentional with my own finances. And I think once I found out that he was $90,000 in student loan debt, you know, I think, you know, the conversations we had early on was like, okay, so how do we kind of work through this together, right? Like, we're both in debt. How do we come up with a plan so that, you know, one, well, I should say one, we knew where this was leading, right? Like we, we knew that our goal was to get married, that this was something serious. It wasn't just going to be, you know, just a, 
a fling, if you will. Um, yeah. We knew what we yeah. wanted out of this relationship. And so we had we were intentional with having those conversations early on and figuring out how do we kind of tackle this together. And then. Yeah. And and one of the things that she did when we first started dating is like she had multiple bank accounts. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had just one. So money was coming in out. I didn't know anything. Yeah. And she you actually put me on to you know, having multiple accounts. So have one where your money's coming in, one where the money's coming out, and then the actual, you know, savings. Yes. You know, post-college, I was like, one account, let me put everything mm-hmm. in there, everything out, and not knowing what's going on. So you were actually, you know, really good when it came to yes. just the whole managing your account in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I think, you know, what I came to relationship with was just trying to get organized, right, mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. All our finances. And I should say, too, that we weren't managing our finances together at this time. We were just kind of giving each other tips and encouraging each other. But we were managing our own finances separately before marriage. And so, you know, but we would share ideas, share the tips that we learned. And so, yeah, like the having separate accounts for, you know, my income and then my expenses and my savings, you know, was a huge help. Right. For me, just starting to start the process of getting organized with money. So, so here's the thing. You guys graduated, you said it like around 2010. So yeah. he, yeah, I graduated, uh, 2009. I graduated back in 2013. Okay. 13. So I'm only asking that just like to take us like back and like kind of give us reference points to your journey of paying this off the debt that you had, because you didn't pay it off until like, I believe 2018, you paid off all that debt, $123,000 in one year. So even though you were finance minded, and you both kind of had your eye towards that because some people like it's there and they're not even thinking about it until it just hits them one day. But it seems like you were already aware you knew about the accounts, you knew about budgeting. So for those years like that led up to when you finally made the decision to get serious about paying it off, like what were you doing? Kind of what what was like your kind of lifestyle when it came to money and what made that switch that made you say, wait a second, we got to pay this off fast. Yeah. So one thing that you always talked about on the podcast was your like your commute of, you know, a couple hours uh, a day. So me and Angie had the same type of commute. And one thing that we started doing was like listening to podcasts. Right. I don't think podcasts were big back then. Like we're talking about like 2012 ish. So we were like listening to audiobooks, Right. Right. Would you say? Yep. Yeah, we were listening to like audiobooks and yeah, and the, one of the f- the mm-hmm. first two audiobooks that we actually listened together was uh, uh, Millionaire Next Door, yes, um, uh, Rich Dad, Dad Poor Dad, and uh, Never Eat Alone, right? Which yeah. is like a networking book, and uh, we would just have conversations about that uh, all early and often. But also during this time, like we were buying lunch, uh, we were mm-hmm. you know uh, going spending on vacation, money, right? spending yeah. our money, going out to eat spending just our money just to you know quote unquote enjoy life but at the same time we were getting educated and learning yes. these concepts talking about it and we started making small but simple adjustments yeah and i i want to say like yeah as rj said like us reading those books together you know we like to say we were getting educated together that was like starting to shift our mindset around money you know i think the millionaire next door book is the book that kind of said like wait this is possible for us. Like we're able to reach millionaire status if we make changes, you know, um, small changes in our life. And so, you know, I think a lot of times like growing up, I didn't think being a millionaire was attainable, right? Like I'm thinking you go to work, you know, you just kind of pay your bills. And, you know, once you're in your 60s, 70s, you know, you might have a little bit of a next nest egg that you can, you know, just you know, live off of. Right. And, you know, and, and their social security. Right. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. Um, but, you know, I think this just the book Millionaires Next Door was just a huge shift in just changing our mindset around finances and that being a millionaire is possible to us. And we just had to make changes. Right. Like we've always thought that the millionaires look like, you know, the people that were driving Mercedes, the, the BMWs, you know, and, you know, or wearing, you know, flashy clothes, the diamonds, you know, the jewels. And we thought it was glitz and glamour, right? And so once we saw like, oh, wait. Yeah, low key with a regular t-shirt, you know, could be like (laughs) our actual neighbors, right? That were actually millionaires because, you know, they were low key and they invested in money and they made regular incomes, but, you know, they were millionaires. So really like changes to like what 
wealth actually look like. Yes. Yep. So it sounds like, and I like that you're, so this is really important, I think, for everyone to hear because it's similar to kind of like me where I didn't first learn about financial independence and then quickly start my journey and or start journey to launch. Like it took me a little bit of time to get the information, absorb it. And again, that mindset shift. So if you're listening to this and you feel bad because you haven't like made immediate changes, yes, you should start to take action. That's my biggest thing. I want you to take action from here in these episodes and following us. But literally most people, like it doesn't happen overnight. It's a small, subtle change that happens to the way you perceive things and what you believe is possible in your mindset. And when that takes root, when that like starts to happen, then things become more possible and then you start to take action. So I like that, you know, it took you a while, like you're learning and you start applying things to your finances. But what, at what point, here's what I want to know. At what point did you say like 2017, I guess at the start of you paying off all this debt, did you say we have to pay this off faster? Because if it was mostly student loan debt, you could just be like, well, I'll just pay that off slowly. You know, it's just one of the things we have, like most people do. What made you say, no, we're going to get rid of this fast? Was there a moment or a conversation that happened? Yeah, before we go to that actual moment between, you know, let's say the, the five years leading up to us uh, paying off everything, we did the work on ourselves to get rid of our credit card debt and cre- uh, improve yeah. our credit score, pay off our car. Um, we did everything so that by the time we did get married, the only thing we had left was the student loans. Yeah, and I want to make it very clear that we paid those off individually. Like we did not, you know, RJ didn't pay off my credit card or car loan, vice versa. Like we were each paying, working, you know, working hard to pay down our individual debts, you know? And then once we did get married in 2017, all we had left was the hundred, all we had left, right? All we had left was $123,000 of student loan debt that we would tackle together as one. Okay, got it. So you were doing the work well, and, and you were doing the work to get rid of that other debt. And then when you joined forces, it was like, all right, now we can really come together. I think that's, I think that's actually pretty, like the fact that you did that separately, but then still together, um, and kept your eye on the prize is like really impressive. So for couples or someone listening to this now, they're saying to themselves, well, okay, or maybe the par- partner is not listening because they're not about this life yet, right? But they're listening and they're like, wow, how can I get my partner more interested in this conversation? Even if it's just to start to be aware of the debt and or budgeting, what were some of the things that you did to keep on track together, even just by dating before you were married? We talked about everything, you know, like while we were dating, like I think, you know, RJ said earlier, like he he disclosed his financial situation very early on. And so I think that kind of just opened up the conversation for us to continue talking about money together. And I think a lot of times for couples, money is very taboo. You know, like you're, you don't want to be that vulnerable, um, so early on in your relationship. And I think just kind of ripping off that bandaid of like, okay, this is me. This is what I, that, this is what I got going on financially. Take it or leave it. Um, you know, or, you know, we can work together and try to improve together. And like, that's, that's what we did. Yeah. And I also think, you know, if you do have debt, like I did when at first, like I already had the mindset of like, I wanted to change and and start making Mm -hmm. improvements. Although they were very, very small changes in the beginning, right. It was just like knowing my numbers, like being aware of it, talking about it, getting educated about different things that I could do and start doing the work. It's always good to show the person that you're dating that, Hey, I have this, but this is the plan that I have over the next three, five, 10 years. And it could be small steps, but as long as you're working towards it, it's easy for someone to absorb it when it's not something like, oh, I have this debt, but you know, I'm just making the minimum payments and I'm not doing any work on my part. Yeah. And I think it goes back to the education piece, right? That we're mentioning, because I think in order for you to get focused and kind of think like, okay, I need to put together a plan. It's going to take you doing the work to get educated about what are the options, right? Like it's going to take you reading, you know, books like The Millionaire Next Door or Rich Dad, Poor Dad or whatever book, you know, that's out there to help shift that mindset so that you know that it is possible for you to pay off your six figure debt, you know? And I think just in general, as couples are listening to this, you know, get educated together. You know, you shouldn't be reading a book and your partner isn't reading that same book, you know? Or at the very mm -hmm. least, share that information with them. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't keep it to yourself and just like have conversations around it, right? Like, and I think, 
you know, there's so much that we talked about, like the things that we were learning, you know, like, like RJ said, like I had several bank accounts, you know, very early, you know, and like, we talked about that. He knew that I had those bank accounts because we talked about finances. We talked about, well, how do you organize your money while we were dating? And it's like, it opened up the conversation so that we can learn from each other, you yeah. know? And Angie gave me grace, right? Like I had all of this debt, but it wasn't like, how dare you have all this debt and make this bad decision? It was more like, okay, you have a plan. These are some of the things that I'm working on. You know, we shared information and she gave me grace and was, you know, as as long, I think it was more of me doing the work that made her okay with it. Um, Because for most people, it's like, you have all this debt, you know, you're not a doctor, you're not a lawyer, you don't have that much debt. Um, You don't have as, you have the same debt as them. So it was just me showing the work and her giving me grace. So when it came to practical things that you did, whether it was before marriage and paying off the credit cards and car loans, and then now being married and paying off the student loan, I mean, you paid off $123,000 in a year. So give me and give us the practical things that you did to make that even possible. And I got to ask, like, was your income, obviously your income was a healthy number for you to be able to do that. Um, So like, can you talk about like your financial picture and the things you did at that point to get rid of everything? Yeah. So when we first started our debt free journey, um, you know, and again, this is dating back about almost 10 years ago, right? When we first started as individuals and then in 2017 as a couple, we weren't making that much money. (laughs) We were both making, I think, you know, when we first graduated college under $40,000 a year, right? Which I think, you know, is relatable to most people, right? Like we weren't making that much money. Like RJ said, we're not doctors, we're not lawyers, Um, but we knew that we had to, our career was important, that we, in order for us to make more income, we had to pursue our career and, you know, make our own opportunities in some cases. And so, you know, like- And and even before when, when we got married, we both weren't making six figures, right? Like my income was probably around 50 something thousand. Angie's was around the same number, Um, but- us deciding to pay off our debt was one of the best decisions because uh, it made us uh, think about the value that we bring to our jobs and are they paying us adequately. So uh, if we go back to you know when we first started reading like our audiobooks, we read Never Eat Alone, which is a networking book. And mm-hmm. that book taught us the power of networking and yes. also like to seek opportunities elsewhere if your current job isn't um, serving you. So what we did was we started looking for outside opportunities or promotions at our job so that while we were paying off debt, we could increase our income. Mm. What fields were you in, by the way, just as a reference point? Yeah, so I was work- I work in finance and- yeah. I'm in healthcare, mm-hmm. but not a doctor, not a lawyer, or <laughs> not a doctor, no, a nurse. not a nurse, <laughs> not a doctor or a nurse. So, all right. So you guys are focusing on your income. I know you talked about your expenses a little bit, so we'll get to that. So let's just first talk about income because giving like practical tips on for people who are trying to look for more opportunities or increase your income. How did you go from making when you first graduated under 40 to maybe 50 to jumping to what I believe you started to earn, you know, a good amount, maybe six figures. How did you navigate that? Like, what did you take different jobs? Did you do side hustles? How did you increase your income? So I'll talk about my journey, right? And I think, you know, we actively pursued opportunities, right? Like RJ referenced the book, Never Eat Alone, which talks about the power of networking and the power of relationships. And the fact is that, you know, it's not about who you know in your organization, but it's about who knows you and your work and your capabilities. And so that was important to me, right? And so I took that and I pursued people. I pursued opportunities. I reached out to to executives in my organization just to learn, right? Like just to find it. And I think it's really easy when you're young, right? Like when you're kind of, you know, a new newish grad, right? Like, and and I want this to resonate with them because it is important to, you know, take on those opportunities and seek out people um, in the in the areas or in the spaces um, or in the positions rather um, that you want to be in, right? Because they're willing, they're open and willing to mentor you, to teach you, to give you resources or just information about how they got to where they are. And so that's what I did. I asked people, how did you get to where you are today? And they were happy to sit down down with me, right? Because One, you know, they also knew my work ethic, that I was a hard worker, that I was getting the job done um, in any role that I had, right? So I think it's a part of doing the work, right? But also, you know, making sure people know who you are. 
you know, so that when opportunities arise, they think of you, you, you're top of mind to them. And so, you know, I definitely want to encourage people that, you know, to pursue relationships, pursue um, opportunities at your organization, um, you know, by just meeting with people, getting uh, getting informational interviews um, with with leaders in your organization. And you'd be surprised how many people actually don't do that. I remember doing that a lot when I had a lot of energy back in my 20s in my corporate job. And people, again, they were very excited because here I am, like this young person coming to them, taking the initiative. And people want to kind of have someone that they can say they helped, you know, like, oh, that's like this person I mentored. And so if there's someone, if you're listening to this and like you're in a corporate setting and you're, you know, you need to earn more, you want to earn more, you might as make, listen, you might as well make the best of your current situation while you're there and earn as much money as you can then I'm going to challenge you to reach out to a higher up, to an executive in your organization. Maybe the, I know for me, sometimes the person didn't sit in my actual building, like location wise, like they were in another state and it was sim- simply sending an email, right? I'm, I'm interested in learning more. Do you have any time to chat with me? Right. And a lot of times now you could do that virtually, especially if they're out of state. So I'm challenging if you're listening to this to do that to someone who you probably have seen um, on that org chart or are listening or have met in a meeting and have been impressed by is to do that because you never know what that meeting could do for your trajectory and your income and your career. Exactly. No, I think you're so right, Jamila, because it's like just sending that email. Like I remember going to, you know, meetings and being like, wow, like that director or that VP, like was phenomenal, right? Like, let me just send a follow-up email, just thanking them for their time for just meeting with our team or whatever the case may be. And it, I also just want to say like, you know, use discernment too, right? Like we're not saying to go like, email the CEO of your company, right? But, um, you know, use discernment and, you know, think about like, if there was someone, you know, if there's an area in your organization that you're interested in learning more about, reach out to that director in that department or potentially even that vice president um, just to kind of learn more about that area if it's something that you want to do. Um, so yeah, no, I think, you know, I actively or proactively took the initiative and just tried to put myself out there more. Um, and I think once people started to know who I was, opportunities started coming to me for me to get the promotions and increase my income. You know, and I, I did get a promotion, but I had to work for the raise, right? Like I had to ask for more, um, you know, and, and I think that's that's also a huge message as well for people just to to negotiate their salaries as well. Yeah, don't just that happens often too. like they're like, OK, you want more opportunity, you want more responsibility. Sure. But you got to like speak up for yourself when it comes to actual numbers. It's still open enrollment season, but only until December 15th. This means you still have time to enroll in a health plan that's eligible for a triple tax advantage HSA for 2022. What's an HSA? It's an account you use for medical expenses. That's money for emergencies and health-related expenses like doctor appointments, dentist visits, glasses, prescriptions, and over-the-counter meds. An HSA from Starship lets you get tax breaks on account contributions when purchasing eligible expenses and on any investment growth. This makes Starship the easiest to use, most tax advantage HSA out there. Starship lets you spend, save, and invest your HSA funds from one simple app and automatically invest your extra health funds in a robo-advised investment account. And right now, for a limited time, Starship's gifting new users $50 when they deposit at least $50 in their account. Visit starshiphsa.com slash journey to launch to sign up and claim your free $50. That's starship, S-T-A-R-S-H-I-P-H-S-A dot com slash journey to launch. J-O-U-R-N-E-Y-T-O-L-A-U-N-C-H. RJ, what about you? How did you increase your income over time? Yeah. So uh, w- one of the biggest things was reaching out to people. Um, LinkedIn was very vital for me, just reaching out mm-hmm. to people that I had connected with, you know, over uh, several years, right, that I had relationships with and they may have went to new companies or, or new firms and just reaching out to them like, hey, how do you like your experience at this role or this company? And I was reaching out to people over the con- all over the country. And it was just people that may have connected with once at maybe a, a um, conference or they we used to work together. And I started learning about what the market value was for 
the jobs that I was looking for. And a lot of times, uh, as Angie mentioned, you take the first offer that you have and that's the, you should never take the first offer, right? You should always negotiate higher and then meet somewhere in the middle. So I was learning about all these different firms, all these different uh, opportunities. And one person I met once, we had a great conversation probably like three years ago. And they was like, hey, you should come over to my firm. And they sent an email to the hiring manager. A couple of weeks later, someone reached out to me and I got an offer. And for me, I was like, I'm, you know, coming from a position of strength because I'm like, you know, I want a job, but I don't, I mean, I want a new job, but I don't necessarily need a new job. So I was very aggressive in terms of, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Um, this is when I can start. This is like the benefits that I want. You know, I have um, a timeline of when I want to start and end up increasing my income. I didn't remember the exact number, but almost like 30, 40% just by uh, leaving yeah. my company. And that was so vital uh, in terms of the process. And that happened while we were paying off. And it would have never happened if me and Angie didn't decide right after our honeymoon, hey, let's pay off all this debt and figure out how we can increase our income. Yes. Right. You became more intentional. And by the way, I actually, this works not just in corporate America, but in entrepreneurship and networking. Like I look back and think about the people that I've done this to, you know, whether it's just like sending an email, someone who's creating content that you enjoy or someone in your industry that you are impressed by and haven't been inspired by. Like all it takes is like to, to draft like a nice note or to interact with their content. And you're not asking for anything like this is a long game. Not that it necessarily you're, you know, you're trying to just you're just doing this to get something in return, but you're literally just planting the seeds for a relationship. And so that way, when you do meet this person in a couple of years, when you do start making noise with your own content, uh, whatever you're doing, then there's like a trail of, wow, this person has interacted with me. I kind of know them. And I feel like that's kind of like how we met, how you, how I came on your podcast, how you're on my podcast, because, you know, you guys always followed and supported my work. I knew you were listeners of the podcast. We met in person at FinCon. And I just feel like the way you guys approach me in terms of like networking, like it was very natural and not overwhelming. And I just feel like there's such like this needs to be a class for people because I can say that a lot of my success, whether corporate America or here, has been by simply knowing how to speak to people, how to ask questions, how to acknowledge and give people their flowers, um, how to not be too annoying when following up. And it's a skill set that if most people worked on, you can get further ahead in anything that you wanted to do. Yeah, it's it's definitely so true. Like networking is a skill and it's, it's so important. Um, and I just want to add that one of the things that I did also for guidance is I looked for mentors. Uh, that was a huge part of it, right? And it wasn't mentors that was in my field. It was just people who had more life experience that I can go to. And I had maybe three or four people that I can go to that be like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Um, what are your thoughts? And just getting the counsel, getting their advice. And that helped me, you know, mold my career in terms of where I wanted to go just by getting that advice. And those are also done by just sending emails, reaching out to people. And then as you get consistent with reaching out to them, then they want to uh, get to know you more. And then you have some type of relationship. So that was so helpful for me. Yeah. Okay. So we now know that you guys have worked to increase your income. And that was a main driver of being able to pay off your debt. But you also worked on the expenses side too. So can you talk about like the changes that you had to make to your expenses to also get you to pay off this debt? Yeah. So the first thing that we did, um, even before any, you know, looking at our expenses or not looking at our expenses, but the first thing we did was start to budget. The budget was huge for us, you know, like it made us sit down together, look and see like what money's coming in, what money's coming out, you know, and really come up with a plan together um, in order for us to tackle this debt. So we budgeted. And then from there, you know, like as far as our expenses, you know, we had everything that most people have. We had the rent payment. Um, we had the utilities, et cetera. But one thing that we did as far, you know, when it comes to our rent payment is that we negotiated our rent. You know, we weren't living in the best place <laughs> or the most nicest, you know, luxurious apartment. Um, we were in a one bedroom apartment um, that, you know, at the time was we were able to afford. Right. So it, it wasn't the best. I don't want anyone to think that this was like some beautiful apartment, um, but it was home. For it, us. Served its purpose. it served its purpose mm -hmm. during the season we were in. And, you know, we were living in this apartment. Our you know, we were there, I think, for maybe about a year or two, maybe two years at this point. Yeah. Um, and you know, the increase was coming, right? And so we 
spoke to our landlord and we asked if we could not have an increase, right? <laughs> yeah, not for it to increase and also just to sign a longer term yes. so that the amount yes. will be lower. So uh, we right. said, if we sign a two-year lease, you know, can can you not increase our rent at this time? And mind you, we were paying on time. We were good tenants. We were taking good care of our home, you know? Like, even if it didn't look the best, like, it was still our home, you know? Um, and so, you know, we were good tenants overall, and he was willing to work with us. Yeah. And then on, on top of that, right, um, we realized that you, everything's negotiable, right? From mm-hmm. our careers to our rent yes. to any bills that we had. So like for our cell phone bill, I was with AT&T at the time and I was with them for like 10 years. And I'm like, hey, I've been here 10 years. I'm about to leave. What can you guys do? And they decided, hey, I'm going to reduce your monthly uh, expenses. I mean, your monthly bill by like $30 just because, right? And then also give you a couple credits just because. And I started doing that with every bill that we had to reduce it as much as possible. So, and then a lot of times we have so many uh, expenses that we no longer use. So like the gym membership, like we had a gym membership and we're like, do we actually go no. consistently? Can we work at, work out at home or just go running outside? Long go walks, for walks, long walks together. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we canceled things that no longer served us in the immediate term. Uh, so example was the gym. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I just want to say like, you know, when we first reached out to our landlord, we didn't know what his answer was going to be. Like we thought like, we're like, let's just try. Right. And I think, you know, what for listeners, you know, like what's the worst that you can hear. Right. Other than no. And so like that motive motivated us just to try. Right. Like if, if he says no, we'll be in the same position we're in now. And so like, we just kind of sh- shot shoot our shot shot our shot yeah. <laughs> you know and so like we were like let's just let's just go ahead i love that and one of the things i read is that you also lived on one income so i guess we should go back a little bit because this is also very interesting you guys were separated with your finances before you got married and then you joined it so that means you now have joint accounts no longer have any separate accounts how did you do that because just as for us, my family and I, like I was also separate with my husband before we got married and we were dating so long that it was just natural that we did things separately and we saved together. Like we had a savings account together, but that was it. We paid everything separately. And when we got married and then especially when I started to understand like the whole financial independence movement, I knew that together we could do more, but it wasn't an easy switch. Like honestly, because we were so used to being separate. So like for him, it, it got, it, it had, he had to get used to it. I had to get used to it. Like this is our money now. It doesn't matter who makes more, who has more, like who's, who has a gym membership or doesn't. This is a together like thing that we're doing. Uh, so how did you guys work through going from separate to together? Any tips for people who are navigating that? Yeah. So before we got married, we had the conversation of like, hey, what are we going to do? Are we going to combine it separate? You know, we easily came together and was like, hey, we're going to combine it. We also did premarital counseling. So we had conversations about everything when it comes to money, everything when it comes to like family and yeah. dynamic. And I think, you know, like for us, our belief is that if we're going to be one in marriage, you know, we need to be one in all aspects. And financially was one of those aspects that we wanted to be one in also. And so, and I think, you know, just even prior to us joining accounts is that we were already doing the work before we were married. So we knew each other's financial, you know, whole situation before getting married. So it just made it easy, you know, once we did get married. And so that's why I think it's so important for couples, you know, while you're seriously dating to start having those conversations so that you can't, so that when you do get married, if you want to, you know, you are ready and willing to kind of start sharing accounts. And so, yeah, we had one bank account at the start of our marriage. And so, you know, it was very straightforward for us. Like it was an easy decision. Right. But then you also, one of the things I read that you did was live off one income. Which is for not like, I think that's the power of like, you know, sometimes you're like, well, it's two of us. But now we have double the expenses. But if you can get it to where it's two of us with double income, but we are spending as just like one, like you can really power through and get to your financial goals. So talk about like living off of one income. And I'm really curious to how your friends like reacted to this and family, because you guys like are in, like doing the work, like you're going in, you're paying off debt. But what was your outside life like that? The people who were in your life, what were they thinking? So those, it's like a two part question. So the first part of the question is like, yeah, we lived on one income. So like, yeah, our finances were combined, but we lived on the equivalent of one of our incomes. And so even that, like, because we, we, we pushed, you know, we limited our expenses so drastically, 
even that one person's income was still enough to like help us pay down debt even more. So I think, you know, us reducing our expenses was very important. But, you know, the power of having a double income and at the time we had no kids, dinks is what I think they call it. You know, it's it's huge, right? And like it just it just made our debt pay off even faster, right? Because like we already had the mindset to, you know, change our 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 family's legacy financially. And so like once we had more income coming in, it just was like, okay, let's just do whatever we can to throw all of the money we can at our student loan debt. Yeah. Yeah. And just to go in terms of us combining income and living on one another, uh, it was it was a pretty seamless transition for us because we had the conversations already. But it, it was like an adjustment to be like, okay, what accounts like what are we moving together and and we but we talk through that we work through that um when we figured out okay this is what we can spend this is what we can spend mm-hmm. and one thing that we incorporated um was having like spending accounts for each other to do like as an we allowance please. Yeah. so it may it may be when we was paying off debt it was very small um <laughs> i don't remember the number but it's very very small um but now like we have like our own spending accounts. yeah so we have like we have several accounts for number of purposes now but um but yeah one of the things that we do today you know now that we're married is that we each get an allowance account and so we set each month you know what what will be allotted to each of our individual allowance accounts right so that you can spend it any way you want right right and then now when it comes to your friends and family right like how we're because they might be living a different lifestyle than you. Maybe some of your friends are earning as much. And so they're living l- larger in a way, you know, quote unquote, versus they are not as intentional about their debt. So how was that dynamic with your friends and family as you were navigating this journey? So honestly, no one even knew that we were on this journey, right, of paying off our <laughs> our six-figure student loan debt. Uh, we kind of kept it to ourselves. Um, I think people found out this year. <laughs> Once we once once we came out with that business insider article, um, is the first time I think um, for the most part our family knew. Yeah, and they were it. like, "Really?" And you wasn't gonna put us on? Like you weren't gonna tell us what was going on? <laughs> yeah, but but we did share it with like a few individuals who yes. were like on the same page as us. Yeah, like, who had the same mindset, yeah. right? Because it's like you know, I think we you have to be a little bit careful, right, about you know how you divulge certain pieces of information because not everyone is ready, right? Or in the same mindset or in the same headspace as you. And so we were very intentional about who we would share, you know, that we paid off six figures student loan debt in one year, right? Because again, like everyone's on their own financial journey. And we're not saying that because we did it in a year, anyone else should, right? That was a choice that we made personally um, for whatever reason, you know? And then also like when we were planning this out, just so everyone know, because our incomes increased while we were paying off debt, um, we planned this out for three years, three oh, plus yeah. years. So it, we were planning to pay it off around this time yeah. uh, in 2021, in the beginning of 2021. Uh, so uh, just want to keep that in mind that, hey, we thought it was going to take a long, much longer time, but with our intentions of lowering our expenses, increasing our income, being on the same page, it happened much sooner. And it would never have happened if we never just started. Right, right. Okay, so now, so you guys are debt-free other than a mortgage? We do own rental property. So yeah, we do have, you know. Yeah, um, yeah so that was, yeah. yeah. So that was one of the first things, uh, well, not the first things, but a year and change after we uh, actually paid off debt, we started looking into invest- investing in real, real estate. estate mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, because I do want to like, like pivot a little bit now and talk about investing and where you guys go from here. So you guys own rental real estate. So that's part of your investment plan. But how are you moving forward? Because if you were able to pay off that much debt in a year, assuming you guys are still working, what is your what are your goals now? Right. Like is financial independence and quitting your jobs like something you're looking forward to doing? Are you um, able to save that and, and invest that aggressively now? Like what is what is your financial independence plan? Yeah. So as far as our plan, our plan is, you know, really just to invest you know, our money that comes in. Um, we now have a daughter. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I just add? I just want to say that too. So yeah, we're still two incomes. We still lived on one income. We're still living on one income, right? Even though I will say that I did leave my job now, but you know, this was literally about two weeks ago. So it's still new, but all apps for the last three years, we've been living on the equivalent of one of our incomes and saving the other. So we've been aggressively saving and investing 
one income this entire time. Okay. Yeah. And our goals in terms of like our family, we, we have a, a daughter now. So our goal is for her not to go through the same experience with student loans. So we're investing for her college education. In a 529 in account. In a 529. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're we, have a, we have a custodial account for her as well. Yes. Uh, for her, so invest for her, for her future as well. And then we also invest uh, for our own future retirement in our retirement accounts and also in a brokerage account on mm-hmm. uh, on a monthly basis. Right. So Angie, with you quitting, is your intention to like do what you're doing full time with Rich by Intention and your brand? Like, is that eventually where you guys would like love to be? Oh, yeah, of course. You know, right now, my my number one priority is being home with my daughter. That's why I left my job. You know, like I wanted to to be home with her. But I will say that if we didn't get our financial house in order, that would not have been an option for me. If we were still paying, I think we were paying like, I don't know, almost $2,000 a month um, in student loan payments. I would not have been able to just say, you know what? I want to be home with my little girl. And I'm just so grateful that we took the steps. We took action to change our financial position so that we can make choices, right? Like this. And I think that's the power of managing money with intention is that it gives you choices. It gives you options. So if something doesn't serve you anymore, if you're in a different season of your life, like I am as a new mother, I can make choices for our family. My husband and I can make specific choices for our family. I love that. And that's, again, like you said, the beauty of starting this journey, like maybe, you know, the ultimate financial independence number is years and years away. But every debt you pay off gives you like another lever lever you can pull. Right. And you can walk away from things that don't serve you. So I love that. Yeah. And I think obviously the goal is to continue with Rich by Intention and grow this to, you know, where it can go. And so, you know, I'm grateful that I can also work on this as well. Yeah, our, our goal with Rich by Intention is to, you know, help people get intentional yes. with their money, but also just to change their mindset and uh, just really change what wealth looks like to people and give them actionable tips just to uh, change their family legacy. Yeah. And like help couples start having those conversations early on, you know, like we want to see other couples win with money. We want to see other black couples win with money because we didn't know it was possible, you know, 10 years ago, but today we're in such, we're in a totally different position all because that we, we shifted our mindset. Yeah. And we lived our life uh, similar to like Million Next Door, very low key. Yes, um, frugally. And, and, and one, well, really low key. And it was very important for us to share our story so that other people can see it's possible. Other people who look like us can see that it's possible. And it was nerve wracking to do it because we were so private and low key, but we realized the power of just like sharing, sharing our story. story and for people to see it so they know it's possible. And if we can, you know, change one life, then it's it's all worth it. Yes. Yeah, one family, right? Yeah. Well, I think that's important to note. And it's also hard to navigate, like, especially when you're working full time and you're trying to like be low key, but then you have like a powerful story. It's almost just like, uh, and then you start sharing and then you get some press like it. Cause I experienced that myself too. Like where it's just like, well, I don't want people to know what I'm doing, but more people need to know about this. And then you kind of have to make a decision at some point. Like, is it going to be low key or are you going to go after it regardless of maybe your own um, hesitations? As long as you're being careful, obviously, but it's like not thinking about all the negative that could happen, but more thinking about the positives that will come from sharing your story. Cause I've told you guys like, you know, like, okay, we want to like see your face more because that's what people connect to when it comes honestly to like, especially online stuff and um, when it comes to finances. So like, I'm proud of you guys for stepping out and doing that more because it's really is encouraging when you see someone that's like, oh, wow, like he literally looks like he could be my brother or like my cousin. Like it's, it's really cool. No, yeah. You know, you're so right, Jamila. And I, I thank you for encouraging us on our journey you know, as we're pursuing Rich by Intention, because it, it, it isn't easy, right, to put yourself out there. Um, and you don't know what feedback you're going to get. But overall, the feedback that we've gotten has been just super positive, super encouraging. And so, you know, we're just we're just going to keep moving forward. Yeah. And we just impacted people's lives just by seeing us telling our story. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that just helped just give you more justification of why you need to put yourself out there. Because exactly. the more you put yourself out there, the more people will be like, hey, Maybe I should it's budget possible. or maybe I should start investing or maybe I should, you know, get on the same page. Maybe with I should my open spouse. up a five to nine, right? Like for my child. Mm-hmm. It's little things like that, you know? Oh my gosh. I love this. All right. So RJ and Angie, please tell everyone where they can 
listen to your podcast because you have one and then also find more about you. Yeah, so you can listen to us on all major podcast platforms at Rich by Intention. Uh, and then you also can follow us on Instagram at Rich by Intention and on Twitter as well. And our website is richbyintention.com. We have a free money guide to help you get intentional with your money. So check that out as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I know people will be inspired and I still want to hold people to the challenge of reaching out to someone in the corporation and or in an industry that you want to be involved in and just kind of shoot that shot, but in a nice kind of way that's not too overwhelming. And then the other thing you had said something and I, I want to challenge people to do that. I think you talked about something with your expenses, like challenge yourself to ask the question. Cause you said you didn't know by asking the question about your rent, you're just going to shoot your shot to see if he would the landlord, he or she would not raise it. And same thing with your like phone bill. So maybe challenge yourself to do that too on the other end of the spectrum with your expenses. What's a call you can make right now to see if you can negotiate something? Yes. Love it. Everything's yep. negotiable. Everything. Yes, yes. All right, thanks guys. Thanks so Thank much, Jamila. You. Have a great one. Thank you so much for having us. <laughs> thanks for having us. Okay, journeyers, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Now, here is a thing. So if you are on this journey by yourself, that's fine. You should have hopefully got some stuff from here that can still apply to you. But if you happen to be with someone, a partner, married, dating, interested maybe in someone, you know what? Share this episode with them. I would love to see more people intentionally working together towards financial freedom. I know it was one of the things that really helped my husband and I make so much strides within our finances when we got on the same page. So if you maybe are listening and you want to share this with someone who can benefit, maybe another couple, do that. And you can do that by just clicking on the more information wherever you're listening to this and copying the link and sharing this with someone. Send it in a text group, send it or post it on your Facebook page or meta page. That's what we're calling it now, right? post it on your Instagram and let them know to listen to this episode, but then Journey to Launch in general. Also tag me at Journey to Launch if you're sharing this on Instagram or Twitter. I always love seeing your feedback and then always tag the guests so the guests can know that you got something from their episode. The guests here are Angie and RJ and their name on Instagram is Rich by Intention. So tag the both of us at Journey to Launch at Rich by Intention and let us know your biggest takeaway or something you learned from the podcast. Don't forget, you can get the episode show notes for this episode by going to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this. And you can still grab your jumpstart guide for free to help you on your journey to financial freedom by going to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. If you want to support me and the podcast and love the free content and information that you get here, here are four ways that you can support me and the show. One, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, your Android device, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to listen, just subscribe so you are not missing an episode. And if you're happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. I appreciate and read every single review. Number two, follow me on my social media accounts. I'm at Journey to Launch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I love, love, love interacting with journeyers there. Three, support and check out the sponsors of this show if you hear something that interests you. Sponsors are the main ways we keep the podcast lights on here. So show them some love for supporting your girl. Four, and last but not least, share this episode, this podcast with a friend or family member or coworker so that we can spread the message of Journey to Launch. All right, that's it. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.